Yo, yo, what is going on, you guys? We got episode 11 here, the two ones. All right, so let's jump straight into it. This episode is brought to you by ChatGPT. Every single thing that I'm about to say, ChatGPT told me to say it. So I can't get in trouble for saying the things that I was told to say. Anyway, um, what I wanted to focus on in today's episode is the amount of shitty jobs that I had. I don't want to go into every single one. It would be way too much for one episode. But I want to go into the shitty jobs that I had and kind of how it changed the way that I look at pretty much all jobs um, and how it just shaped my future. And, and some of the things that I ended up doing and whether or not I actually achieve that aim, which, you know, is quite noble in my mind is beside the point. My goal is just to tell some stories, have some fun doing it. And, uh, and hopefully there will be someone listening to this who might actually get something out of this. So this episode is for that person or it's for you. You might be that person anyway. When I was seven years old, I started working at a pool company. It was my mom's friend from high school. He had a pool company, and he would normally ask my brother to help him. Um, But sometimes my brother didn't help him or, like, wasn't around. So I would get to go instead. I was probably making, like, five bucks an hour. And all I would do is pretty much just anything that he told me. So like, you know, clean the pool, put these chemicals in, clean the spiders out of the trap, uh, go into the pool house and, you know, turn on this pump. And yeah, it was pretty, it sounds, in hindsight, it sounds like it was pretty shitty, but it was pretty cool. And this was like before I was a pervert at the age of, you know, like 12, I was nine. So I was still very innocent, but man, once I turned 12 and 13 and 14, and I heard about like the, uh, the porn stereotype that the pool guys, the guy that like gets it, man, that job got so much more exciting. Unfortunately, um, the only, (laughs) the only like two women that I remember, um, for this guy, like for this guy's company, one was like a friend from elementary school's mom and no offense, but you know, she, she wasn't really my type. I was uh, 13 and looking for girls that I could wrap my full arms around the waist of no offense. And, um, the other was just like, uh, I don't know, just super wealthy. It was in the Hamptons. She's like a super wealthy, definitely would not have had sex with the pool guy kind of woman and but I still was always so excited when we would pull up to a to a property that we hadn't been to before and I'd be like oh this is gonna be it this is how I lose my virginity unfortunately no 
<sighs> it wasn't meant to be. I did not lose my virginity um, on on the job. But yo, if I told you how I did, I, I don't know if I'd be able to work in this town again. I'll tell you on, on one episode. Um, it was not illegal before you ask. That's not why I wouldn't be able to work in the town. I just think it was way too unorthodox. Also, my mom listens to this, so maybe I should keep that in mind before I tell that story. I'm going to take back my offer to tell um, the story. But if I do tell it, I'll just make sure that my mom doesn't listen that week. All right, so that was one of the jobs that I had was working as a pool guy, which was mostly just like on the weekends and stuff. And I always did landscaping which is pretty big in the Hamptons. It was just something that I always, always, always did during the summer. And sometimes during the year, I worked in restaurants. Um, There were just a lot of random jobs that I did that I just don't know how I got the job and I don't know why I applied. I'll give a few examples here. I worked... I worked at the um, hardware store in my town when I was 14 years old. And first of all, if you've ever worked in a hardware store, they all smell the same. I mean, if you've ever been to a hardware store, you don't have to work there. They all smell the same. There's just chemicals and like nasty cleaning supplies, just like a bunch of nasty smells. And I worked in this one... um, in in the hardware store and the guy his name was herb and there were rumors going around town that he was like a a neo-nazi because he had a shaved head and he had a gym upstairs and he would just like hit the gym and come down looking like completely roided out i'm pretty sure he did use steroids and he would just like always give this look like if you said something he would hit you but he never hit, I mean, I, I just want to put that on the record. He never like hit me or like came near hitting me, but he just gave that look like I'm going to fucking punch you boy. And I worked there for like three months, maybe a little bit less. And boy, that job gave me such an appreciation for people that do that job. And like, if I ever, if I ever own a hardware store, which is not really, you know, one of the goals that I have in life. I would make it a lot better than that hardware store for the people that work there. Holy shit. What else? One time I saw an ad on Craigslist. Uh, It was something along the lines of, you know, contact this number if you want to do some bookkeeping or whatever. And um, it was for this hotel a couple towns away. And the guy was super nice. He had a plane, like a private plane. And, um, you know, he would always like take the time to talk to me about his life and stuff while he was supposed to be paying me. He would just like walk up. He lived at the hotel, but he had a really nice room. Like it it was like an apartment um, at the hotel. And the sad thing was that he was heavily addicted to painkillers to the point where like this guy always slurred his words. He was probably in his sixties at the time, not really able to, um, to communicate very well. 
he, he kind of talked like, <laughs> You can go in my pine somehow and take you in the pine. And I'd just be like, yeah, that'd be amazing, you know, but suspending my disbelief because I'd be like, who wouldn't want to go in a private plane unless the pilot was addicted to painkillers and constantly drifting in and out of consciousness? That's where I kind of like started to say, yeah, it would be cool, but you know, I kind of value being alive a little bit more than having a story to tell, even though I would not be able to tell it because it probably died the first time it went into his plane. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting job. He always smoked cigarettes inside of his place and he always showed me photos of his Eastern European girlfriend who was like 24. She was so beautiful. He was like in his sixties and there was this guy that he was friends with who my mom was friends with growing up. They volunteered together. And this guy was just known as being like such a pervert. I'm not going to say his name. Um, but he was just such like just known as being such a pervert. And, you know, he volunteered with my mom. My mom was the president of an organization. <laughs> I realize I can't say that, the name of it. My mom was the president of a volunteer organization. He also was president at some point. And um, he just had a reputation of like hiring nannies for his son. But the nannies were like in their early 20s. And he would always try to have sex with them. And it like sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. But I remember one time he was really trying with this blonde girl. She was so beautiful. Oh my God. I still have a crush on her. He was like trying with her and, you know, she, I guess she wasn't, you know, into it. Um, Like he was, he would make advances and he would say like, oh, we should grab to d- dinner sometime or whatever. Anyway, he paid for a phone for her because she came from, I think she came from Russia so he like bought her a phone um, so that he could like call her to pick up his kid and stuff like that. And I guess he like went through her phone one day and saw that she was texting a guy who was like closer to her age, <laughs> go figure. And he had a freak out like, what is this? This is so unprofessional. And like, this is so like, he just like cursed her out. Anyway, um, that guy did eventually marry a girl that was probably 23 when he married her and she and he was like 68 or 70 it's like it sounds so disgusting to say that out loud but it's like on the other hand if i were 60 and single you know i'd be like well 20 year olds are pretty hot anyway uh (laughs) so um yeah that was a weird job to have like working at the hotel Another time I applied for a job on Craigslist and I mean another job on Craigslist and it was pretty much like a wealthy banker and he was like, I just need somebody who can drive me around when I'm out east. So, um, yeah, I like contacted him. He was just this really cool dude from Georgia with like one of them Georgia accents. I was talking real smooth like this. Oh, hey, Macklin. I don't know if that sounds cool, but imagine that, but it sounded cool. And he was just like 
you know, early 30s playboy. I think he also liked the Dallas Cowboys like me. And, you know, he would pay me like an absurd amount to just pick him up from a restaurant. He always had a beautiful girl with him or pretty often and drop him off somewhere. And I remember one time he texted me, he's like, hey, Macklin, could you score me weed? And I was like, could I score you weed? (laughs) Of course. And I did. And I told him like how much it cost me. And he was like, I'll pay you like way more than that. By the way, this was not a drug deal. Fuck. I realized that sounds like a drug deal. I just felt like I was doing the guy a favor. Like I wasn't selling. I got him like a couple of joints. Okay. Anyway. So yeah. Um, super bizarre in hindsight that this guy just, you know, needed me to drive him places. I think it's cause he had a, um, DWI. So yeah, he kind of, and back then there was no Uber. So it, it just made sense. And, and it was pretty cool actually. Um, he had this like nice, beautiful house near my friend. And I would just go hang out with my friend usually after. And anyway, um, another time I almost applied for a job. I think I might've reached out to the guy. It was like, all you have to do is come over to my house, not wear a shirt and dig a hole in my backyard. That was the job on Craigslist. It sounded too good to be true. I felt like I was so qualified for it. First of all, I had no problem taking off my shirt. And second of all, I had been doing manual labor for like four years at that point. So I thought I'm a shoe in for this job. I think I reached out to him. I don't know if I I was probably like 18 years old. I don't know if I was like the kind of hunk that he was looking for. But, you know, I really saw that as like that was my version of passive income um, before <laughs> before like, you know, the, 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 the days of Tim Ferriss. I mean, it, before I knew who Tim Ferriss was, I was like, oh, my God, this is easy Internet money. All I have to do is just dig holes in this guy's backyard without a shirt on. Sucker. I mean, in hindsight, this dude is probably just, you know, cranking it, but whatever. Uh, I didn't get the job. I don't think I, I, I made it to the next step. There was another job that was um, pretty much just like, a. apparently it was a scam. A scam from China is how they put it in the newspaper. I could probably look it up, um, but it was pretty much just like, one second, I think it was like they, they asked people to do bookkeeping for them, which I had like a little bit of experience doing, as I mentioned with the hotel. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I will, um, I'll apply. It seems pretty easy. It's like, all I have to do is some bookkeeping and then I get money it seemed like. Well, it turned out that it was a, um, it was just like a scam where you would give, I guess you would give your payment information or your social security or something. And then they would steal it and then you'd be screwed. They would have your identity. I don't exactly remember what it was, but they did actually find a peep, uh, a group of people um, who were living in a house in my town and conduct and like, you know, operating this scam, but they were linked to China. I don't remember exactly how it was. Um, 
Okay. So those are some of the jobs that I had. What else? Okay, so I had a job once where, and I don't, I don't think I signed an NDA. I hope I did not because I'm going to get in some trouble then. But I had a job where I worked for the person who created Saturday Night Live, Lauren Michaels. I'm pretty sure I did not sign an NDA. I'm like almost 100% sure. So there was this um, building in my town that was historical that he owned. And because it was an historic building, he could not put a facade on the building. Oh, sorry. He could not alter the facade of the building. So there was no big sign out front. There was just an easel that said the name of the place. It was called Lucky Rock. And it was a custom t-shirt shop. And they licensed um, these graphics from a, a store called Bang On. Don't Google Bang On. Do not type bangon.com. It's porn. But that's the name of the company that has the graphics. And funny enough, there is actually a Bang On like five minutes walking from where I live in Berlin. So every time I see it, I think of this this um, t-shirt store. So the story with this was that there was a t-shirt store and then there was going to be an ice cream store right next to it. But they had a lot of trouble getting the ice cream store approved because it was a historic building and they had like really strict regulations around that. Oh, whoa. Whoa. That that hit that hit hard. Well, I'm back mentally. Let me just take a little gulp of the water. Okay. Wow. So anyway, um, because they didn't have a sign in front of the store, it meant that like nobody ever came in because they didn't know it was there. I probably had like one to two people that came in per day. And for no reason, um, (laughs) so I'm going to probably mispronounce the name of the school, but if you're in business, you probably have heard of the Blue Ocean Strategy. And Renee Mauborn, I think that's how you say her name. It looks French, but I'm pretty sure she's American. She came in one day and she was like, hey, she's a co-author of the book, by the way. And she also worked at, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced INSED, but it might be pronounced something else. Okay? Don't judge me. And um, she came in and she was like, hey, I would really love to have this graphic put onto a t-shirt is that something that you can help me with i was like oh yeah no problem and there was this like fifty thousand dollar printer upstairs and it would like print the custom graphics but we also had graphics that were licensed from bang on as i mentioned and you know those are normally the ones that i put on t-shirts well anyway i promised her that i would get this done for her i did not it was super difficult to get that graphic onto the shirt looking good I'm sure she just like found somebody else that could do it. But that's probably like one of the greatest regrets that I have in my life is that I didn't help Renee Malborn, Malbon, Bon, didn't help her with her t-shirt. I tried though. And then I tried getting a job with her. She's like, um, why don't you just like email me after college? It's like, I will do that. I will do that. But I was considering not going to Michigan and trying to work in Malaysia for inset. 
I was ready to take the opportunity if she had given it to me, but she did not. Sorry, Renee. I really tried though. So yeah, I had like a lot of like just random jobs for like two months, three months. One time I landscaped for a guy when I was probably 22 years old. I had been working at a bakery like full time. And this kid that I worked at the bakery with was, he was that guy that I told you about in the last episode, I think. I think that was the last episode where, you know, I went into the elementary school and the one kid was like, the chocolate milk. Oh, that kid and I worked at a bakery together after college or during college, but he wasn't going to college and I was in between schools. And, um, yeah. That was a very bizarre time. It was like waking up at 4.40 in the morning, getting to the bakery at like 5 o'clock, 5.15, 5.30, whatever. Then delivering baked goods throughout Long Island and then coming back and then, you know, doing work and stuff. It was rough. And um, after that, I worked with him with a landscaper guy named Daryl. And Daryl was just like this dude that was like hooked to the bottle, like... He was hooked on sauce. So I remember we were doing landscaping at the grocery store. And the grocery store was next to a liquor store. And he, I distinctly remember around lunchtime, he would go into the liquor store, buy liquor and sit in his truck and drink it and just get like shit faced. And he was a nice enough guy. I mean, he wasn't like a bad dude. Like he wasn't, I mean, I don't think people are really like evil anyway, but he wasn't evil. But one day he asked me to um, plant these flowers in front of the grocery store. So I did. And I guess I didn't do it the way that he wanted me to. I mean, I know I didn't. <laughs> and he was like, what is that? And I was like, I, I did it the way that you wanted me to. He's like, bullshit. No, you didn't. That doesn't look like the way I told you to do it. And I was like, well, look, I just did what you told me to do. But I was getting annoyed. So I gave him a look, you know, kind of like that look from the uh, the hardware store guy. Like, don't fuck with me, pal. Well, he's like, he said something like, don't you give me that fucking look. And then he punched me. Punched me. I was like 20 years old, maybe like 21. I think I was 20. And he just punched me in front of a grocery store. I tried I tried finding the footage. We asked them uh, at the grocery store, hey, is there any footage of this guy? I'd like to press charges for him punching me. <laughs> and they were like, uh, let's check. And they checked and they were like, uh, it's not on the camera. I was like, you got lucky, Daryl. I would have had quite a lawsuit, Daryl. But anyway, um, dude, fucking Daryl. That was a definitely a very bizarre job. I just had I had a, a job once at a bar in Ann Arbor called Circus. And Circus was a weird place. It was a multi-level marketing scheme. No, I'm just joking. It was a multi-level bar and it was quite nice inside. Um, but the people that worked there and like the vibe of the place, it was supposed to feel like a circus, like on the very top floor. And then the other floors were just kind of like you know themed floors and you know there were some shorties there but sometimes their 
were just some oddballs. And I was a bartender. And um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the work. But if you've ever if you've ever felt like you were not great at doing a job and then you add pressure of like having to do that, having to perform that job in front of other people, you'll know that it really does feel like you're white knuckling it. And that's how it constantly felt like every single Friday and Saturday that I would work there and like Tuesdays sometimes as well. It just sucked. It was so shitty um, because I was just like having like little panic attacks all, I mean, not panic attacks. I'm, I'm exaggerating now, but I was just constantly like on edge when I was working there. And um, man, I wish my memory was just a little bit better because I know a lot of weird shit happened there. But I remember um, the the night that I quit, I had like a disagreement with the owner. I forget why. But I was, I just told him like, oh, hey, can I grab my paycheck? And I was supposed to work that night. And he's like, yeah, sure. So he gave me my paycheck and I just got on my bike and I rode home and never came back. And he called me a bunch. He's like, hey, Macklin, we can talk about this. I was like, fuck you. I, I didn't say anything. And looking back, look, I'm not proud of that. That's actually really shitty on my part. But I think when you're... <sighs> You know, like, I think it's very common when you don't realize what the real world is like and you think that things are just supposed to be given to you. I think it's very easy um, to have an attitude about things. Uh, Funny story one time, not funny. Now you're not going to laugh because I said it was funny. But anyway, one time when I was working at the Blue Parrot, I was working with Bon Jovi's daughter, Stephanie. And that day, it was just like a lunch shift. Um, We had gotten tipped somewhere around like nine bucks. Like I'm not even exaggerating between, you know, all the tips divided by all of us in our like envelopes. I got like nine bucks. And I remember she like handed it to me. I look at the envelope. I open it up. I count like a five and then I get four singles. And I just threw the money in her direction like kind of at her, not like to be mean. I was just like, fuck this. I don't want this. It's nine bucks. And I'll never forget. She grabs the money and she goes, fine, I'll take it. Bon Jovi's daughter took nine bucks. And I was like, fine, I'll take it. I was like, fuck. Bon Jovi's daughter knows the value of a dollar more than I do. And I'm fucking poor. That really like was an eye opener for me. I don't think I ever disrespected money again after that. I mean, that was just such a fucking, I mean, you know, when, when you think about the things that you do and the things that you say, whew, that was, that was definitely a regret. Not because it was, bon, I mean, Bon Jovi's daughter was nice, but you know, we weren't vibing like that, but it was more just, it's kind of sad that that was my attitude at any point in my life. Ha, <sighs> man, man, a lot of jobs. A lot of jobs that I did. I worked at a Tory Birch, which is like a women's fashion store. You know, retail is where men's dreams die. It's, if you work in a women's retail store as a man, you're just dead because it is so fucking boring and 
unless you're into fashion. One time Tori Birch came into the store and I hid in the basement because I was like, I don't want to see the lady that, you know, writes my checks. And I was also afraid that she was going to fire me. So I just hid in the basement the entire time. When I went upstairs, they were like, oh, you missed Tori. I was like, oh, thank God. Woo. Thought I was going to catch her. But yeah, my manager there was this woman that was such a jerk. And um, she she had told me that she was like, she had been heavily addicted to cocaine. But she was like one of those people that like replaces a drug addiction with an addiction to being a dick. And she's always addicted to being an asshole. So working with her was pretty tough, I would say. And she was definitely, she reminded me of my manager at the t-shirt shop where I would just confess random things to her because I was so nervous talking to her. And she would always, but she was mean and she would like call me out on some of the stuff that I would say. She's like, did you just, did you just listen to what you just said? What does that even mean? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Just leave me alone, please, Megan. And um, there was this woman there. Oh my God. She would have been such a good reality TV um, star because she was just so petty. And she had like, a very rough voice. Hello, my name is Anne. Fuck. I hope I don't get sued. But yeah, anyway. Um, she was she was tough. Tough to work with. People like that though, I mean, their dreams are already dead, but they they do have some some of them do hold out hope that they're gonna get promoted to corporate. That was definitely Megan's hope that she was gonna get promoted to corporate. I think Anne's hope is that she was just gonna become like a store manager and you know. I don't know what happens after that. You just get a little bit more money. But I mean, as a guy, like what was my hope? My hope was that I was going to continue to work with my then girlfriend uh, who worked at the store with me, but she went, she was going to college and I was going to community college. So it was kind of a tough days, tough days being the one that was working in our hometown while she was off at college. And What's funny is like now that I've had, I mean, I have not even touched, like even scratched the surface of weird jobs that I've had and random jobs. I'll I'll probably do some more thinking and and come up with more um, for another episode. But, um, you know, now that I've had some of these jobs, it's opened my eyes to like how good I have it as a knowledge worker and just being able to show up, you know, send emails drink coffee all day. I know a lot of people that I've worked with at Google and um, and other startups that have never had to do shitty jobs. And to be honest, I kind of pity people. Not, not that I like actively, but I, I kind of feel sorry for people that didn't have shitty jobs ever because there's something that you learn from upgrading from really, really shitty jobs to really, really, really good jobs where you get paid a lot of money and you don't have to do shitty work. It's like you, you, I can always look back with such a level of gratitude and like really picture how I was feeling at any point in my, my shitty life, (laughs) my, uh, it wasn't a shitty life at any point in my life and just think like, wow, I, was working in a bakery 
And that could have just been how my life remained. Or like I was landscaping and that's how my life could have remained. I could have just stayed there. And the thing is like, there's nothing wrong with those jobs. There are certain people that are so good at what they do. You know, they'll, they'll be like the best mechanic for miles. They'll be the best baker for miles or kilometers. Um, they'll be an amazing waiter. They'll be, you know, such a, such a polite hostess. Um, you know, maybe they're, you know, uh, a graphic designer for like a really small, uh, you know, like little agency in a town or something. And they don't have any experience working in the big city, but they're good at what they do. They like it. You know, they're not earning like the most money, but they're good at what they do and they take pride in it. There are not a lot of people out there that feel that way about their jobs. And I definitely was not one of those people that thought that I was good at my job. I'm, you know, I still struggle as a sales rep to, to manage my pipeline on uh, on HubSpot. You know, there's a lot of things that I could do um, to improve. And my feeling on the matter is like, I can always look at where I came from and know that I don't ever want to go back there. But I also know that the only way to find the things that you really want in life are to test the waters and continue to try to see, you know, what feels good and what doesn't, because there are going to be some jobs that you do where it's like, I could not do this for like more than another, you know, six months. You're like already looking for another job, like three weeks in. And there are other jobs where you do them and it feels amazing. You know, it's like, I want more of this one skill. So like in sales, I like sales. I think it's cool that I get to meet people. It keeps me sharp. It's fun. But you know, like in a perfect world, I would choose the people that I want to work with and only sell to those people. And I would pretty much just say no to people that, you know, have businesses that I don't find interesting um, or, or customers that are like a little bit trickier to deal with. So, yeah. Wow. Recently I've been getting like five hours of sleep or six hours. Um, I've been having some bizarre dreams recently. I can't share them on the pod, sadly. Some of them are just super strange. Um, yeah, when I, when I have a dream that I can share, I'll let you guys know. You'll be the first to know besides my journal in the morning. But, you know, for this episode, I think like the, the main takeaway, if, if there is one, is just like everybody's at a different part of their life experiencing, you know, their realities, right? And sometimes it feels like your reality is going to continue and that's going to be the only thing that ever happens. I mean, I know what that feels like when you just don't see an alternative. But if you just keep taking steps in tiny steps in a direction that just like calls to you, you know, and you put yourself out there enough to network, I think networking is so key and it's something that some people do very naturally and other people just don't ever pick it up. But just, you know, meeting people and realizing like you don't have to get something out of every interaction. You don't have to ask for something in every interaction. 
you know, there are people that have helped me. I just want to give a huge, 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 huge shout out to some of the people that have helped me in my life. First of all, there was this guy named Andy Ruffay. He was a partner owner at uh, the Ruffay Group, which is a law firm in New York. And the the way that I met him was that I was the um, assistant to the town supervisor. And the town supervisor was just like, you know, he was a big wig at Disney, but then he became like the town supervisor of East Hampton. And I remember Andy Ruffay was just waiting in the lobby and we were chatting and I was in between colleges, like applying. And he gave me his business card and he told me to reach out to him if I ever had, you know, if I ever wanted to talk. So I reached out to him and this guy wrote me a letter of recommendation for Colgate University. Uh, where one of my buddies, Zay, went. And, uh, you know, this guy didn't know me, but he had such a good feeling from our conversation that he, like, went out on a limb. He was um, on the board, I think, and he made a recommendation um, to to bring me to the university. I actually did not get in, sadly, as a transfer. But, um, you know, and, and he was just always there. And I remember I even asked like, hey, are there any internships? My girlfriend at the time was in law school. I was like, are there any legal internships at your law firm? We met for coffee. We chatted. He was like, yeah, unfortunately, like she's going to need to have a, she's going to need to um, graduate and also pass the bar before we can, you know, have that conversation because we don't have any internships open. But, you know, he was always there. And like, I just really appreciate him. Cause he gave me a, a, a bit of a boost when I was at my lowest or one, at not my lowest, but definitely experiencing some low times. There was a guy named Seth who was the um, executive chairman, I believe, or like the president of our local television station called LTV, <laughs> local TV. And, you know, he gave me an internship and he was just the man. He was so nice to me. And, he was so flexible with his scheduling for me. I had an internship there and I had two other internships at the same time. And then I left there to work full time on a different internship. Well, it was more, it wasn't really an internship. It was more like I was working on a campaign as an associate um, while in college. It's so weird. Like once you are in college and you're, you know, trying to become a student, a job becomes an internship. But if I wasn't in college, it would have just been a job because I was literally just doing the work. So freaking stupid how that system works. Like, yeah, uh, I'm an internship on a political campaign. No, getting paid like 15, 20 bucks an hour. I'm driving around Long Island. I'm knocking on people's doors and, you know, I'm going to political rallies and I'm, you know, going to political fundraisers and meeting people and networking and staying out, you know, until two o'clock in the morning with politicians and stuff. Like it's a very bizarre system. But anyway, I digress as usual. Maybe, uh, maybe you guys can do a little bit of homework for me. Maybe you can think about a job that you had that you really, really, really despised that made you just like feel like you were dying every day that you were doing it. And then just thinking like how your life would be if you continued with that path, how you'd feel. And then just try to see if you could find some gratitude 
in what you have going on right now. Anyway, I think with that, I'm going to sign off for today. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling pretty grateful myself, but a little disappointed that I never got the job uh, digging holes for that dude without a shirt on. That would have been pretty easy work compared to what I was doing. All right, you guys. Well, I hope you had a nice weekend and uh, good luck. Have a great start to the week and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Take it easy. See ya.